I, I think there's a, a, a fee fi fo fum kind of quality to them. You know, right, we that, got... that's, a, that's a draft jargon that I didn't have in the bag, <laughs> but it's in the bag now. fee fi fo fum. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for April the 12th. I am your host, Easton Fries, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. And today we've got one more network to tag on to our list of accolades because I am joined by the man himself, in my opinion, when it comes to Nashville media uh, in, in the draft space this time of year. This guy knows just as much as just about anybody. It's him and James Foster up there for me. He has done the legwork. And when it comes to Lyman in particular, this guy is a resident expert. So I knew I had to bring him in because that's what we're doing today. We're talking about the linemen. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, our guest today for the full show is Stoney Keeley of the Sobros Network. Stoney, how are you, man? I'm so excited to finally have you on the show. Man, I'm I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Easton. This time, I'm going to try and not have you uh, with your finger on the bleep button this time. So, yeah, I, I, good point. I forget you have been on the show once, but it was <laughs> it was with Zach. So that doesn't really count. We, I had to get you away from that. Our very f- fun and lovable little stooge had to get him out of here so that you and I could talk shop on these guys. And uh, no, absolutely not that you that social clip that I put out was the first time I ever got to use my bleep <laughs> sound effect, which I had Good. had in my my uh, like video elements folder for this show for well over a year and had never, I was just waiting for somebody. I don't tell the guests not to say anything. I'm just waiting for somebody to give me an excuse to use it. And then you did. And I was like, yes. Um, and so I got, I got to use it and I appreciate you for that. And if today you feel so compelled by these mighty men who are going to be the big, big meaty men slapping meat is what we're talking That's about right. today. And yeah. it can get you a little excited sometimes. I can understand that. So, um, yeah, well, thank you for the kind words as well. Um, love doing this. I love watching the offensive linemen because it is the big meaty men slapping meat. I just, I don't know. There's something like primal about two behemoths meeting on the football field and just finding out like Mm -hmm. one man wins, one man loses. There's no in between. It's just the, the purest test of strength on the football field. If you ask me Well, I would argue it's the purest form of football itself. I think in terms of just embodying the sport, Nothing yeah, sure. feels more like football. I mean, because every element of football, it's it's speed and skill and size and finesse and it's pretty and it's magical and it's beautiful. And we love those parts, like obviously, but real football and one could very easily argue, I would argue the the element of the game that actually wins and loses the game more often than not is in the trenches. And that is the complete opposite, right? It is ugly. It is dirty. It is gross. There, the technique in, and I'm not a, I'm not a, an expert on offensive line by any means, but, but because I am, it's, it's such a, um, kind of foreign language when it comes to the different positions and trying to evaluate, I do a, a very thorough job of listening to folks in the media who I trust on offensive linemen to gauge my opinion based on what they have to say. And they're always talking about it, making it seem like to me that offensive line, like technique, the way that certain guys win and and lose, it varies very widely. Like no one really cares how you get the job done as long as you get the job done in the trenches. And there's a lot sure. of ugly when you zoom in, get off the uh, the all 22 tape and zoom in to the, the boys in the middle. It's it's gross. It's ugly. It's war. But they're the ones doing the dirty work. They're doing the heavy lifting. And uh, I think this time of year in particular, and I to even further qualify it for Titans fans, I was thinking about this last night. Stony, 
I, I put out some feeler polls like February 29th on my Twitter page of all the questions I could think of at that time that I I was predicting would become big sticking points for the Titans by the end of the offseason or throughout the offseason. Questions about quarterback at the time it was, will they or will they not keep certain free agents? Um, will they or will, will they not pursue this position in the draft? Um that kind of thing. Right. And, and I, the point of that was so that I can bring it back up here and just under just over two weeks, I guess we're two weeks and a couple of days away from the draft. And I'm, I'm going to bring those back out the, the world's shortest time capsule. I'll bring back and, <laughs> and, and see just how wrong we were. That was, that was the idea of it is trying to be able to show tangibly like the off season, your opinion is going to change 17 times. And what you think today is not what oh, you'll yeah. think a month from now. And this time of year in particular, just a couple of weeks outside of the draft, it is so easy for any fan, but I think Titans fans in particular, to be enamored with everything but the lineman in the draft because that's the pretty and shiny object, right? We we started this mm -hmm. year in February. If you asked Titans fans on online or in the stadium, who do you want or what position do you want for this team in the draft? What's the number one priority? you would have gotten a resounding, oh, it's lineman, it's tackle, give me Paris Johnson Jr., right? It was, everyone was unified on the exact guy they wanted the Titans to draft, like the second the season ended, practically. And yeah, yet here sure. we are, like two months-ish, two or three months later, and suddenly it seems like everybody would be fine with Paris Johnson Jr., but we are just horned up to the gills for guys like JSN at 11 or going up to three to get, Anthony Richardson, like the, the skill position guys creep in no matter what, even if you're a team who I don't know, has spent two years with one of the worst offensive lines in the league. And you can acknowledge that and understand that you still can't help yourself, but fall into the trap of being like, Oh, but JSN though, Oh, but a, a, a quarterback though. Like it's really difficult. And this might serve as a, a sobering reminder of the talent, immense talent, that you can find at, at the offensive line position in this draft. So that's my spiel. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it's actually a really good place for the Titans to be because they've done the work in free agency to kind of fill holes so that, um, you, you know, the yep. emergency gaps are covered, if you will. So it really frees them up to just be able to, I mean, really go a number of different ways there in the first round. And I still don't think that offensive tackle – is off the table completely there at 11. And I think I'm still think a proponent off the table at all. No, I think I'm still a proponent of trading back. If they can find a, a dance partner to do so, if one mm -hmm. of these quarterbacks begins to fall, maybe somebody trades up to get them. The Titans can pick up an extra pick or two this year and uh, slide back into the twenties and still get good talent. That's going to fill needs and provide a little bit of promise. I think you can still get a foundational building block there in the uh, the end of the first round. So let's talk about some of these guys. But the last thing I want to mention before we get to that, we're, we're covering the interior offensive lineman today on Wednesday. Tomorrow on Thursday, the episode that, that Stoney, very gracious with his time. I think maybe it's only because I brought him on for the lineman. No other position he might be willing to do this for. But <laughs> well, I said, I can, we, can we get a two-for-one special on the lineman? And he said yes. Yeah, so, I can't do the cornerbacks. We already talked about that before we started recording. I've, I think I've watched like two cornerbacks that weren't at the senior bowl. So yeah, and how many, how many linemen have you watched? You were telling me I've, that. Yeah. I think I've got, I think I've got 60 offensive linemen ranked, <laughs> which is just about all of them. Yeah. Well, they keep popping up. You know, I, I sure. say, I tell myself like 
Stoney, you're done. Move on to the cornerbacks. But then I see somebody write something about Luke Haggard out of Indiana. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, oh, got to get on Luke Haggard before the draft. Well, before for people that are familiar with the beast, Dane Brugler's uh, massive draft guide he puts out actually a day or two ago, it came out on the athletic that that is your if you're looking for like very, very back of the draft class guys, the undrafted of the undrafted free agents, like the very bottom of the barrel that that's the place to go. I'm going to I'm going to go just pull all of the linemen at the very like, you know, lineman 374 from his list and then start <laughs> like IV drip feeding them to you every day. I'm going to just text yeah. you a name with no context. That's going to be enough to force you to spend time on you know, Jim Bob Cooter out in <laughs> I- I- Iowa, Iowa State, um, yeah. you know, backup instead of Emmanuel Forbes, the cornerback out of Mississippi State, who you should be paying attention to. But yeah, so we can talk about the interior guys tomorrow tackles or interior guys today tackles tomorrow with Stoney back with us. Then if you haven't been paying attention to this series or are new to the podcast, welcome. Appreciate you being here. We have already covered almost all of the defensive position groups in previous episodes. We saved cornerbacks actually for next week, because that is the one defensive group that is both rich with talent. And also I think whether you think the Titans need a cornerback or not, I'm relatively certain they are interested in them in this draft class. So we're saving that for next week with the premier positions. It bumped up a couple of premier positions, the tackles and the interior guys to this week. And with that, we have done our linebackers, safeties, edge, and defensive linemen already JT and I went through our top 10 lists in previous episodes. Those should be the the most recent four episodes. So as soon as you're done listening to this, go and listen to those. You can learn about the entire class. Stoney, an overarching thought on this draft class, uh, the interior guys in particular. I don't know about you. I think generally speaking, the interior class is among maybe top to bottom on, on the weak side of the scale in this draft. I think it's a weaker class by a little bit than the tackles, but it's historically speaking, I think a a healthy draft class with guys all up and down the board available in different rounds that can be helpful NFL players. What are your thoughts on the interior class? I like the interior class compared to the tackle class, because I think you have more guys that are NFL ready. Like I, I think there are, there are several guards in this class that, are going to have the opportunity to start week one. And, and maybe that's kind of a, a bold thing to say, but no, I love that. We disagree on that. I love that. That That I, is interesting. I see a lot of polish with the guards center. Okay. Not so much. I, yeah, I think center is really a rough, it's a bottom of the barrel kind of thing. There's there to be fair. There are one or two really good centers. We're about to talk yes. about, but beyond that, not really. I, I like two centers in this mm-hmm. class that are going to be ready-made week one NFL starters. Yeah, there's stuff. Whereas with the the tackles, I, I I really only see two guys that are bona fide stud potential in my book. That's not a trademark term. Bona fide well, already, stud potential. Right. But, yeah. But then it's littered. I, I'm talking like 15, 16 deep with guys that have really high upside. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the value in the tackle class compared to the offensive guard class or i should say the interior offensive line right is that there's a much higher ceiling with the tackles but i feel like there's a much higher floor with the interior guys i, I love that we disagree on that and it makes me even more excited to record tomorrow's episode when we get to the tackles because i i'm my cutoff for guys seems to be much different than you um whereas i think i agree that there are in total like 17 guys with crazy high upside 
Mm-hmm. I think there's more than two of them that are bona fide stars. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. I won't. I won't jump the shark there. Let's focus on these. We got to tease guys. the people. We got to let we, them know. Tune yeah, in. Just a little tease. Yeah, tomorrow. We, yeah. Stony. One of us is. It's a. It's a death match. One of us won't come out of a, a podcast alive. <laughs> but until then, we have to talk about the interior linemen. And it's something I wrote down earlier today, listening to. Uh, I believe it was Greg Cosell talking about uh, linemen in a show a couple weeks ago, and and he was talking about this quote from um, Dante Scarnecchia, who's the legendary line coach up in New England. He and the the podcast host he was speaking to were discussing which elements of offensive line scouting, which which traits are more or less important. What are the things that matter most when you're evaluating this talent and trying to put together a team? And oftentimes one of the first words people mention is athleticism, right? And, and that's a natural thing to say. It's the big guys on the field. So they're the ones least likely visually to be athletic. You would like to get the freaks who happen to be huge and also athletic. That makes sense on the surface. But what he was talking about, Cosell was was mentioning in this, I guess this is Skarnecchia's opinion. Maybe athleticism is a little bit overrated when we evaluate these guys. And I think that particularly applies to the interior linemen. For tackles, being athletic is important. Like how many unathletic tackles are successful in the NFL? Not many. You have to be able to be a big bodied guy and also have arguably the freakiest athletes on the entire field, the edge defenders, not get around you and murder the guy you're supposed to be protecting. So those guys, athleticism definitely matters with the interior guys. And this is the quote from Skarnecchia that I found interesting. He used to say, and this is probably a paraphrase with offensive line evaluation. Are they smart? Are they tough? And are they athletic enough? I, I feel like the the situation and the opponent um, having a feel for your, your situation, having a feel for your opponent, your teamwork with the other four or more guys on the offensive line, being able to work together as a unit, an offensive line, especially if you watch run blocking tape, a, a really high caliber offensive line working in unison is that's the element of offensive line play. That's beautiful. That is a, that is poetry in motion. It is music sure. that they're making. It is really fantastic to watch but it's really difficult to get to that level. Like not everybody has the Philadelphia Eagles run blocking scheme. What are your thoughts on, on that general concept when you are evaluating these guys, what are the different traits you're looking for? And maybe something you value a little bit more, a little bit less. I'm a sucker for, for guys that have, you know, obvious competitive fire. Mm. And, And I think that is something that, you can really pair with the athleticism, with the polish, the technique, the footwork, all of these physical and athletic traits. You pair it with the fiery spirit. And that's how, to me, you get elite prospects in the NFL because you can have all the talent in the world. But if you don't have that desire, you can flame out in the NFL pretty quickly. So I'm a sucker for a guy that gets out there and initiates contact and hits people and puts people in the dirt, drivers, <laughs> that sort of thing. That's something that I value quite a bit. And then just, I think you can simplify a lot of offensive line scouting, something you alluded to earlier in the podcast. Just watch the guys one-on-one and see who wins. Mm-hmm. And, and if you've got a guy that you're watching and you notice he's winning pretty regularly, then you begin to unpack, well, how is he winning? Uh, you look at the matchups, you see, like, is he still able to do this against 
different competition, different styles of defensive linemen. It's all I would really add to the um, to the assessment there. But I think that's a that's a pretty good point comparing the tackles to the interior guys. All right, let's get into our actual top 10 lists here. And um, I didn't mention this to you before the show. So I'll, I'll go I'll go first on this one because I need to give you a chance. Just we, we've been mentioning if you have any guys that are just outside your top 10 that you think deserve a mention, they okay. deserve to throw him a bone. A guy that, that is, you know, in your top 20, maybe that you're like, oh, but that's my guy. Um, we, we've been mentioning those guys for me with the interior guys. I only had one and that person was. um Oh, no, I'm totally wrong. Just kidding. I got my offensive tackle and uh, offensive interior offensive line lists wrong. I have one for tomorrow. Not today. I cut it off at 10. All right. so never mind. <laughs> if you have any interior guys, I, I think there are only 10 interior guys we're talking about. Clearly, I think the rest are bums. What about, what about you? What were your thoughts on any guys that were honorable mentions? So um, I, I have my list broken down by guard and, and center. Okay. Um, when you told me that we were just doing interior, I combined them together and a couple mm-hmm. of guys that I really like got booted out of my top 10. Okay. I really like John Gaines, the second out of UCLA, UCLA right guard yeah. prospect. And then I like Chandler Zavala out yeah. of NC state. Zavala. I like him so much. He's in my top 10. So we'll talk about him a little bit in a minute, but dude, yeah. I, I love watching both of those guys. I think it's like the exact same evaluation. You just flip one's on the left side, one's on the right side. They're on opposite sides of the center. Draft them both as like a twin pairing. You can just have on your line. They'll work in unison, right? There you go. I mean, you're trying to protect the quarterback, specifically, you know, pass protection. I think both of these guys have the traits to be really, really good if they end up with the right team and the right offense. Yeah, I agree entirely. Let's get into our top 10. Um, we'll break it up in smaller chunks. So let's start with our first four guys, starting with number 10. So my number 10 interior offensive lineman is Luke Weipler out of Ohio State. My ninth guy is, and I might need your, I might need to assist on this one. Do you know how to pronounce the Alabama interior guy's name? Emil Ekior? Ekior Jr. Yeah. Ekior Jr. That's what we're going with then. Okay. We're going to go with I don't know, but I'm. Emil. I'm pretty high on him too. So yeah, Emil Jr. Emil Jr. is my number nine out of Alabama, and then uh, we got a couple of back-to-back rough names here. This is Elusagun uh, Oluwatimi. Watimi? Okay, Oluwatimi. Yeah. I can do that. Ola. Just or call Olu. him Olu Olu. That's oh, you're right. That is. It starts Olu Olu. I I did not put that together. All right, Olu Olu is my eighth guy out of Michigan. And then my seventh interior offensive lineman is Chandler Zavala out of NC State. Okay, got through that. Who are your first four guys on the list? So I, I'm going with Olu Olu at number 10. I think he's he's my other guy that I think is one of two centers that are going to be starting week one in the NFL. Wow, okay. At number nine, I'm going with uh, – okay, let me make sure. All right, I got my list. I'm looking at yep, the right Cross-reference Just... correctly. Yep, I got you. No worries. <laughs> I'm going with uh, Jackson Kirkland out of the University of Washington. Interesting. Okay, I I have uh, hand up. I don't know a lot about that guy, so you got to teach us here in a minute. He's got a little bit of uh, guard tackle versatility, so he's technically okay. on both of my list. But I don't think okay. we're going to talk about him tomorrow, based on where I've got yeah. him among tackles. I think he projects as a guard. Uh, I think he's going to kick inside at the NFL level. Okay. And then uh, number eight, I'm going with Braden Daniels out of Utah. I, I really like him I could have told you you had him on this list. I can't wait I, to talk about him. I'm I'm all for him being a Tennessee Titan at the end of this thing when it's all said and done. You've only tweeted about it 
tw- a dozen <laughs> times at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then number seven, a, a guy that I'm a lot higher on than a lot of other people. We talked okay. about him when uh, Zach and I joined your show for Mobile, Alabama. Yep. Oh, and Tyler Steen, left Tyler guard. Steen. Okay. I am going to keep what I was about to say to myself um, until tomorrow's episode. So again, right. another another tease. Uh, right. you know, I have some thoughts on Tyler Steen as well, but I think it, it pertains more to tomorrow's conversation. All right, so we've got our guys out of the way. The only guy in this group that we have in common is Olu Olu. So let's start with him. Olu Olu, you have your evaluation on him. You've watched the tape. Guests first. Give me your thoughts on on him, and uh, we can. I guess we can go ahead and set a baseline here. We've been we've been referencing the consensus draft board just to give people a baseline of where the the zeitgeist is on these guys. And Olu Olu for interior offensive lineman. He is interior offensive lineman. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 8, 9, 10, 11, 11. So we are slightly higher on him than mm-hmm. that. He's my interior guy, number nine, or uh, yes, no, number eight, and he's your number 10. Tell me what you liked about Olu. Well, I think the criticisms of his drive in the run game are, um, I don't want to say they're unfounded because you see it, but I think it's, I think he's being overblown a little bit. Okay. I mean, he's he's a tough guy. He's a fighter. He's a scrapper. Uh, we saw Roshan Johnson tweet uh quote tweet jim Nagy the other day who yep. was kind of singing olu's praises and he was like this guy's a dog and i saw that with him too so i think he's capable he plays with a low center of gravity and he's got good hands he's a really sticky guy he just leeches on to people and i think he's a wrestler man like he's not a guy that i i think is going to fold when uh defensive linemen try to maneuver him out of the play or you're not going to throw him out the club or anything like that. I think he's a really good sticky interior offensive line prospect that I think a lot of people are sleeping on how polished of an overall game that he's got because they're focusing on the, uh, the foot speed and the run game and the size and that sort of thing. Like just don't overthink it with this guy. Yeah, I, I like him a good bit as well. From a measurement standpoint, he's not got a whole lot to bring to the table, but his explosiveness is there, right? So his explosiveness mm-hmm. it, it, with his vertical jump, his broad jump, 63rd and 90th percentile, respectively. He's a, a heavy enough guy for sure. 309 pounds, 74th percentile, just shy of six foot three is 20th percentile for, um, yeah, he's listed as a center on here. So short even for a center. Um, his he, He's got not great speed, but as a center, you don't really need to be all that fast. It's not the big biggest uh, issue from a grade standpoint on PFF, just for reference, you can see, and this is an important thing for me. You'll realize very quickly. I like guys that are, that are trending upwards. So like if I find somebody and I look at their and PFF's not the Bible, obviously, but generally speaking, I think that their overall grade for a guy on a season is more or less reflective of how well he did that year. And then you can see the stats yourself there. And I like guys that are going from like a 71 to a 76 to an 85. Like I want a guy that is not peaked is still going up and is not flatlined either. And that, I think that's indicative of a guy that has some more, he's got a little more meat on the bone in terms of development. When a guy comes out of college fully developed, that's great, but you already know what you've got, right? There's no, Mm -hmm. there's no real upside necessarily. I think, Olu Olu is one of those guys 
He got better every single year in college. He played more every single year in college, three-year player at Michigan, and his grades went up every single year. The thing that stood out to me when I was looking at his grading year by year is not only did he get better year to year, but he got more consistent year to year. He had a lot of really up and down games in 2020 as a freshman, but then as a junior this past season, he didn't have a single high or low score by game, according to PFF, outside of roughly 12 points. Um, so it was like week in and week out, this guy is there. That's another thing that I think is overlooked. You hear oftentimes people talk about college prospects. It's you know, There's more emotions involved. They're not quite professionals. They're still kids. There's you know the things in their life. You don't know quite the guy you might get from a mental standpoint week in and week out. Well, this seems that kind of thing, I think, is a sneaky indicator of somebody that is mentally very mature and with the center. I mean, you know, as well as I do, that guy needs to be the one who is the brains of the operation on the offensive line. And so for a guy like him, who's projected to be a center, played it in college, I think that he's got a lot of things that are a little more intangible, require a little bit of digging that that really attract me to him. Uh, the next guy on your list was who remind me um jackson kirkland yes okay i don't, I don't have it written down tackle. because okay yeah, yeah so i i don't have this guy on my list tell me what you saw in him and why he's in your top 10 interior guys well i think he's he's got a really high floor in the nfl like i said i mean he technically does offer tackle guard versatility but i don't know that the traits are there for him to keep up with speedy edge rushers in the nfl so i think mm -hmm. he will kick inside at left guard He's got a pedigree. He's got the experience you look for. You look for in a high floor, safe offensive line prospect. I, I think I was impressed with how engaged he was with his hand. He plays from a wide stance, leans into his guy a little bit, um, but it, it it's by and large he he plays with pretty good leverage. I think he's athletic enough to pull and get to the second level. Keeps okay. his feet moving when he's engaged in a block. I mean a lot of really nice technical stuff to his game, but you do worry about the, uh, the traits and the style with him. So mm -hmm. I, I think that's the only thing that's probably keeping him out of higher round consideration. The size is there with Jackson Kirkland out of Washington. I'm looking at it here. He's in the 74th percentile for weight, 96th percentile for height. I, I've got him. I'm, I'm looking at my further on down my big board. He, he is my, I actually technically have him in the, in the tackles list here. I probably should move him over, but he is my tackle 24. Um, yeah. But that is probably a little bit unfair. Um, or maybe that's just because I looked at him through the lens of a tackle. Maybe I need to go back and consider him moving into guard. I just was considering him a tackle based on his size. Now, his reach is a little bit undersized, and that's probably ultimately the reason why he might get moved inside. But I could see him as a swing tackle in the NFL. Um, he, he's probably ultimately going to to be that if tackle is where he stays, but if he moves inside, you could see, you could see some, some winning here. I think I'm just looking at the general statistics. He's another guy that improved year on year, but has played a lot of football and he's got the size there. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm seeing a lot of fourth, fifth, sixth round grades on him, depending on where you look. Um, but the comp that, I mean, here on PFF, the comp they gave him was storm Norton, who's a pretty good football player. So if that's the high end, then would not necessarily be a bad idea to take a flyer on him if he is still around on that third day. You yeah, had a second. I, no, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say I had to revisit my notes for for a minute, but he. There were a couple of times that I watched him where I noticed when they did pull him that he kind of got jammed up behind the right guard, 
And I think that's where you see the traits come into play where maybe he doesn't have the, uh, the necessary speed that you look for in an elite prospect in that regard. Like it's, it's yeah. there with him, but it's not consistent. There were times that I felt like he was just kind of running into traffic. He drifted a bit. Um, and, and I don't think that is an ideal quality in a uh, potential starter. <laughs> you don't say who, who's yeah. the number eight guy on your list. He's, he's another one that I didn't have, and I've already forgotten who it was. Well, now I'm going to have to revisit. Now you're going to redo the math. <laughs> no, <laughs> count back up the was, board. Number eight, eight yeah. was Braden Daniels. Oh, eight was that's Braden right. Daniels. Yes. Okay. So I, I have evaluated Braden Daniels. Uh, he is, oh, I love him. I, I know you do. If I had to name an honorable mention today, he's probably the one I would have gotten into. We'll consider it cut for time, but I wanted to let you get into it with Braden Daniels. So tell me what it is exactly about Daniels that you love so much and why you want him to be a Titan so badly. Well, I mean, they're looking for pass protectors. If you if you sure. read the tea leaves, it's a good short. It's a good elevator pitch on this guy. Need <laughs> pass rush? They're they're looking for pass protectors. I offer Braden Daniels. Yeah, yeah. It, it's something that um, he does really well. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun to watch. The knock on him is like consistency and run blocking, which I feel like you hear a lot with these these guards that kind of circle around the the titans verse this this mm -hmm. uh draft period but man i i think he's kind of underrated in that regard there are times that you watch his tape and you see him kind of fail to sustain a block where he pops a guy and then the guy just okay goes right by him like it's it's nothing but i i saw some flashes in there specifically a, a touchdown run against usc when he just got low on a down block and just drove his feet and moved his guy out of the way, opened up a wide hole for, for a touchdown. And I'm like, dude, this, this guy can run block. So I think he's a more complete offensive line prospect than he's being given credit for. I think his weight is an issue. Anytime you're playing offensive line in the NFL and you're, you're sub 300 pounds, you know, I think that's, that's probably a, a problem, but he's really athletic, really good mover, really good pass protector. And I think he has. Uh, I, I think he's capable to run block as well. So I, I listen. I'm all for it. You want to invest a uh, a third round pick in the guy, right? I'm. I'm not. Some people might be mad about that. Some people might call it a reach. I'm not going to be one of them. I'm going to be doing cartwheels. Well, Braden Daniels out of Utah is the 161th. 161th. That is that counts. good English. Yeah, we count that bucket. Uh huh. 161st player overall on the consensus draft board he's listed here as an interior guy um he was he was one of the guys at the senior bowl if i'm not mistaken right you got to see him in mobile he was supposed to be there but oh, i was think he not I, I don't think he um i don't know what the issue was but he never showed up okay he, he must have had something going on either way he is uh you're, you're much higher on him than most but he's on the consensus board, got a fourth round grade. So a third round reach wouldn't be the biggest issue in the world. If you want him for the Titans, I understand why you want him in the third, because he's not going to be there in the fifth. And the Titans owe their fourth to the Falcons for one Mr. Julio Jones. Mm. The guy uh, is is a, a funny web on mock draftable because he is an explosive athlete to the moon, but his weight is significantly lower than you would maybe like it to be at the guard position. He's just six pounds shy of 300, but that's the second percentile at the guard position. 
He's six four and an eighth inches tall. Plenty, plenty of height. Thirty three inch arms. That's why he's an interior guy. His speed is fantastic. Ninety sixth percentile. A four nine nine. Not often you find linemen that can run sub five. And his ten yard split is the ninety third percentile. So he's explosive as well. His vertical and broad are 81 and 87th percentile. And then he's got really nice agility. His three cone and 20 yard shuttle are both in the 80th and 85th percentile. So the guy's an athlete. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about this guy being a bona fide athlete. And if you're wanting somebody that, I mean, doesn't take a genius to put the dots together, very athletic guard. He can do a lot of stunting. He can do a lot of pulling. And that's the kind of thing that a, a, a clever offensive coordinator is going to salivate at the idea of from a college performance perspective. I'm pulling up his, uh, his numbers here as we do some awesome radio. Yeah. And just this is what the people tune that's in what, for. That's what they say is as much dead air as possible. Yeah, here we go. So he, he probably would be higher on these draft boards. If he'd had a better final season, his, his peak mm-hmm. was his, second most recent year in Utah. He had an 84 overall PFF grade played almost but, a thousand offensive snaps. Oh, what are you going to say? But he's playing left tackle in 2022. Yes, exactly. This is what I was going to, this is what I was going to, uh, I should have known. I should have known. I should have right. cut you off. I'm not, I, I'm going to miss some things out here. I didn't quite miss that one. <laughs> Daniels did play at the tackle position, left tackle. Uh, I didn't know that part. So thanks for helping me out there. He played left tackle his senior year. Obviously, those grades are reflective of the fact that he's a much better interior guy than on the outside. He only allowed two hits and 13 hurries as a guard in his final year and just one sack on the season. His gap grade is really low. So that's the only massive concern for for him. It is like bottom of the barrel low. Every other metric is very nice. His zone grade, his run blocking, his pass blocking, his true pass set block grade, like they're all well above average. His ability in zone and pass blocking are elite. So this guy, he he is going to be, like you said, an awesome, awesome pass blocker. Um, I just, I, the only concerns really are that size and whether or not um, he, you know, he still knows how to play guard, but coming off of that, moving back to the old position, you, you'd like to hope that he can just pick it right back up and, and get to the winning ways of his 2021 season. The fourth guy that you got, or your, sorry, your seventh overall player was Tyler Steen, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yeah. Tyler Steen made me feel like a, a massive idiot the week of the senior bowl, because I know you came on the show and told me all about how so, dumb you felt. So they, they play him at left tackle all week long. And then during the game, they actually kick him inside to play left guard. And I, all week I'm like, Oh, he's got tackle potential. Like I don't see that much of a difference between some of the guys that are being considered for the first round and him. Mm-hmm. And then the game comes and they kick him inside at guard. So I think that is probably, I, I think he's one of the few prospects in this class that does offer true tackle guard versatility in the sense that you're not going to Tyler Steen at left tackle in a pinch or something like that. If you need yep. him to play there, I think he's capable of playing there and not just an emergency situation. Likewise, similar thing with guard. I, I like Steen's power. I liked the way he won reps in Mobile. I, I mean, I can still vividly see in my mind's eye Byron Young throwing that spin move right at Tyler Steen and Tyler Steen just throwing him out, out of the play like he's just flicking a, a flea off of his arm uh-huh. or something like that. A very powerful guy. 
I thought he showed some pretty good technique. I know he could have gotten a little bit lower run blocking mm-hmm. and the, the footwork hand usage and stuff like that was a little inconsistent, but like I was talking about earlier, bottom line is that he was winning reps that week in mobile. The, the curious thing about Tyler Steen, uh, the draft community seemed pretty low on him. It's watching the tape because you just don't see that explosive dominant guy on the tape. And I really, any reason I were to come up with for why that is would just be a reckless, a reckless speculative guess at this point, (laughs) because the tape just really isn't all that good. And I'm a Bama fan on Saturday. So I watched plenty of Tyler Mm. Steen and just thought, eh, eh, whatever. He's a guy. He's another another guy that's going to get into the league because of his helmet, but man, right. I, there, there's a spark there with him in this pre-draft process that I think, I, I think there's enough to latch onto there uh, to where he's going to, he's going to get a chance in the NFL. So I'm going to hang on to my thoughts on Steen. I agree with a lot of what you just said. I'm going to hang on to it for an uh, un, unspoken future potential next episode. When I talk about him, little bit more and i have him as a as a tackle if i've not made that obvious and he is on my board so we'll talk about him tomorrow i'll move on to the one guy that you left off of your board at least so far that i have on mine and that is chandler zavala out of nc state he is the overall number 128 he's the 128th player on the consensus big board he is the consensus interior offensive lineman eight he is my number six Seven, I believe. Yes, he's my seventh interior offensive lineman. And what I saw in him that maybe some others don't, his his measurables, like he's he's got the goods there. 325 pounds, 6'5". This is a, a big fella. The things that I saw when I watched a bit of his tape, and he's got all the traits you expect. Like, you know, he's got shorter than average arms. Uh, he's got a, an all right wingspan despite having shorter arms, all of those things. Uh, he could be a little bit taller, a little bit, but uh, uh, excuse me, he could be a little bit heavier, but he's certainly got the height you're looking for. The thing, the thing about him that I loved so much is he's not the most polished guy. Yes, I, I, I agree. He's going to be a project. I don't see this guy as a week, week one or year one starter in, in any capacity. But at his size, I loved his footwork. I think that he's perfectly, he's not a versatile guy. He's going to, you need him to play the guard position, but he's got very good feet. I think if you're a run first team, this guy can be your run greater. Um, similar to, I'm trying to think of a, a decent example of somebody that he's not, he's going to be fine in pass protection. He's just not, he's not going to disappoint in any way in, in the run game. I'm positive of that. And he's 24 years old, but he's not spent a ton of time at this size. He was a 260-pound lineman with a full year of experience before he jumped up to 325. So there's some element of learning to play at the proper weight. He also dealt with some injuries that I just don't think he's played a ton of football. Just played two years at NC State in college. Um, a total of 17 total college games. Just over a 1,000 total snaps. And yet he allowed no sacks in those two years, just one hit and seven total hurries. I like this guy a lot as somebody, if you're a team that could use a road grader and use a, a luxury pick on this guy, why was the first team that comes to mind? The Eagles. This is, this guy's got Eagles written all over him. Oh to man. Me. Yeah. Um, he, he's a guy that you can get in that day three. Uh, well, is he not quite, not quite a day three guy, but like a, a round three guy rather 
I think that he could be really nice for a team a year or two removed from being drafted. Yeah, he's got some pancakes on his tape too. Yeah, he does. You love to see that. Like I I know like probably not very typical terminology here, but I would call him like squatty. Like he's got yeah, that, that bowling ball kind of build mm-hmm. that is just I mean, which he's, is funny because he's, he's 65. He's not yeah. short, but he looks I, round. Yeah. Yeah. I watched him the first time and was like, what's this guy like six two, six three? Oh my God, he's six five. This is yeah. insane. This is yeah, exactly. This is a man that can um can really do some damage. All right, we've moved past our 10th through 7th players. Now let's do the next three interior offensive linemen, 6, 5, and 4. I'll let you go first. Who is your 6th through 4th interior lineman in this draft? So at number 6, I do go with Jarrett Patterson, the guard out of Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. Number 5, I've got John Michael Schmidt, center number 1. Wow, you have him at 5. I can't wait to talk about him because he's the best center. We agree on that part. And then I, at four, I've got Steve Avila out of TCU. I love me some okay. Steve Avila. You, me too. Uh, he is my fourth as well. Mm. So I'll go backwards. My interior offensive lineman four is Steve Avila out of TCU. My fifth is Osiris Torrance out of Florida. That's the guy maybe that I'm most different on in on this list. And then my sixth interior offensive lineman is Andrew Voorhees out of Ooh, USC. Yeah. Let's talk about. He, that reaction makes me think we should talk about Voorhees first. We want to let's I, let's start with the Voorhees. I, I like Voorhees, man. I'm I'm okay. scared to death of investing a high draft pick in a guy that's yeah. probably not going to play at all in 2023. But man, I mean, his, speaking uh, of the Eagles, this guy's got Eagles written all over. Yeah, him. he does. But be a his, Lane Johnson replacement or something in a year or two, um, and yeah. and just keep the ball rolling, right? It, it, it's it's so annoying, right? Because this guy would be out of the reach of those good teams if yeah. he hadn't torn his ACL on the field mm-hmm. in front of me in Indianapolis a couple of weeks ago. Um, but he's going to end up being a stash for somebody that can afford it. Yeah, absolutely agree there. Um, so I'll, you know, well, let's talk a little bit more about him because he, I, he warrants, even though he's not going to play in this first year, he, he warrants some discussion, particularly I'm going to pull up his, his mock draftable data here because he's got some pretty impressive numbers um andrew Voorhees. it turns out there's a lot of andrews out there i can tell andrew, you he he was he's my number 10 guard so if we eliminated okay. the centers from he would be on this list yeah he would be on this list okay so he is very tall six sixth and an eighth and one eighth inches tall 96th percentile 310 pounds 41st percentile plenty fine uh single digit percentile for arm length that's why he's an interior guy he's got mm-hmm. some explosiveness to him though 66th and 71st percentile on his vert and his broad red shirt senior so he's played a lot of football that's the upside the downside is he's a little bit older um, but he wins with that experience right you won't find a more experienced lineman uh, maybe anywhere like this guy's played a lot of snaps of football yeah. um yeah. Uh, he, he's got 400 plus snaps according to pff at left tackle left guard and right guard like 400 each of those positions so this guy's played all over the place and he's played a lot 24 years old um he he's going to be a guard in the nfl because of that length um he could probably play tackle in a pinch just because he's got the experience there but you're going to want him at the guard level. If I had to knock him a little bit, the hand placement on tape wasn't the greatest in the world um, in terms of just overall overall with him. If you're looking for areas to improve, it's definitely 
uh, for me, at least it's, there's just some little technique things. His footwork can improve. And maybe that's a result of switching positions every 10 seconds. Um, I think his hand placement is all right, but he's got decent play strength. And I think he's got some decent speed to him on tape. So I liked him quite a bit. That's why I have him as my interior offensive lineman. Number six, your number six was who remind me Jarrett Patterson out yes, of Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Okay. So let's yeah. talk about him. Yeah, guy that was once considered kind of a fringe first rounder seems mm-hmm. to be falling down the opposite trajectory, but I, I still like him. I think he's one of the most technically polished interior offensive linemen in the draft. Um, that's, I agree with that. You know, depends on what you want to do with Peter Skaronsky. If you know Skaronsky's not mm-hmm. in the fold, Patterson may be the most technically refined uh, interior lineman in the draft. 6'4", 304. And uh, he's not the most explosive athlete. I think he's got the footwork, the hand usage down. He's he's poised. He's fluid moving laterally. I don't know that I would necessarily say that he's explosive, but he's a good smooth mover. Mm-hmm. I, I'd like to get him. I'd like to see him get a little more powerful and aggressive in run blocking. And he also did this weird thing at the Senior Bowl where, like, first contact with the defender, that first pop, he would like leave his feet to reestablish. And that's a, a huge no-no. But yeah, no. I, I didn't see it too often. But turns when out I it's did, easier to move you if your feet aren't on the ground. <laughs> yeah, who, who would know? <laughs> who would have thought? But I think, you know, the, the lack of aggression is more of a minor weakness than the um, the leaving the feet thing. Right. But I, I, think, I think he could really end up being a really good, polished, NFL-ready guard. Uh, right away for a team that needs guard help. No, I agree entirely. Um, you look at his his numbers here. He's the 125th overall player on the consensus mock draft board. He's interior offensive lineman number seven, and uh, he he's still uh, in that yeah the day day two mm-hmm. middle day two range. Um, so he's if you're looking for somebody that. You mentioned Peter Skaronsky in terms of just technical polish. Maybe maybe Patterson is your your comp to Skaronsky. Like if you're trying to get the off-brand yeah, version sure. of Skaronsky later in the draft, I could totally see Patterson being one of those guys. If you're looking for a guard that could maybe play day one um, later in the draft, he might be that guy. The reason why he's not on my board and what I, what I knock him for, because I agree he's very polished. I think he's among the more ready guys, certainly at that day, day two, day three area in the draft. His ceiling is just lower for me. He's six five, three hundred and six pounds. That's fair. Yeah. Um, on tape, I I just I saw a I just, I just saw a dude to be honest. Like I don't have any deep thoughts on this guy. It's not like oh his hand placement is this or I think he needs to add some weight or he's not bending. No, like I just he just didn't impress me um, with anything. I thought he was was competent at everything and unimpressive in everything as well. So I just think he's a I think guy. That's what a lot of guys think. I think that's why he's falling. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. once considered one of the top prospects, and now everybody's sure. getting around to watching the tape, and they're just like, "Oh yeah, he's he's a guy." Well, and but my I, the point that I think I sh- I should make here, in fairness to Jarrett Patterson and all the just a guys out there, when it comes to talking about the Jags, the just a guys in the NFL, it's a little bit more derogatory in in my eyes at least than when we talk about guys that are just guys in the draft because when you're doing draft valuation you're watching tape you're looking at traits mm-hmm. 
you aren't thinking in terms of what is he going to be. You're thinking in terms of a spectrum of what could he be, right? Yes, it's a bell curve exactly. of, of mm -hmm. what is the floor, what is the ceiling, and where the 25th, 50th, or 75th percentile in between those two things. Like, where is he going to hang out most likely? Is he more likely to, to turn out better than average, worse than average? Like, that's what you're considering. And so it's very, once again, trying to trying to eliminate as, as many as much noise and as many biases as possible from the way that we think about this. I think we oftentimes get enamored by the guys that have crazy high ceilings and ignore the fact that a lot of the guys that have crazy high ceilings, crazy high potential, if things went perfectly for them, they tend to have really low floors as well. It's a very much a boom bust proposition. Whereas some guys that I come away from evaluating them and I go, and eh, they're just a guy. Sometimes I think that because their high end is really low, but their floor might be really high. And that, as I'm talking about Patterson, I'm kind of regretting not making him number 10 or something because, yeah, nothing. There's no one or two things I can point to and be like, he's awesome at that. He's awesome what? in the run game. He's awesome in pass protection. But I can't really point to an element of his game where I go, I hate that. He like that's terrible. He's he's competent at everything. And that works in the NFL. Listen, you don't have to have an all-star guard. You don't have to have Quentin Nelson on your roster. You can have just a guy, and if he's good at what he does, the talent around him is going to make the whole unit succeed. Well, I think you just perfectly summed up my feelings on why he could have a long career in the NFL. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And he could he could be the most boring, rich, and to, <laughs> the most boring and rich guy in the league, and 31 yeah. fan bases don't know or care about him, but that one fan Bingo. base who, who he plays for, they appreciate him because they know that he's part of the glue that makes that unit work for them. The next guy that we should talk about here, looking at our lists, let's do Steve Avila. We both agree on him. He is both of our interior offensive linemen four. On the consensus board, he is interior offensive lineman number three, 51st overall guy. So I would be very surprised if he is not gone by the end of the second round. He's a second round guy for sure. I don't really see a world in which he goes in the first round. I think right around 50 is exactly where he will be, the 40 to 55 range. Um, obviously, people got to see him on a big stage this past year as they went into the college football playoffs and actually won one of those games. So we got to see him twice. Um the star of that that line for sure this guy is a if, there, if there's if there's somebody on the interior list that i just look at and i think he's a he's a wall he's just in your way yeah. big fella good luck like you can't go through him so you're gonna have to climb over or under or go around somehow good luck it's steve avila yeah there there was a moment during senior bowl drills when they had him climb to the second level, which you don't think about with a man of his stature. Nope. I mean, you want to talk about a bowling ball build. It's Steve Avila. Yeah. But and I just realized I, I didn't mention any of the actual numbers where I'm just assuming the, the audience knows what we're talking about. He's six, three <laughs> and five, eight inches tall and 332 pounds. Okay. Now continue. Good Lord. Yeah. Oh, He's a man. big fella, big fella. Yeah. So there, there's a moment at the senior bowl when they actually get this guy to the second level. And it, it hits on a point that I'll make in a minute. But to finish this story, he gets one-on-one -on -one with a linebacker. And I don't remember if it was – I think it might have been Dorian Williams. Okay. And my gut just sank. I'm like, oh, my God, this poor linebacker is just about <laughs> to get mowed down. And he did. Steve Avila just basically – Can you call timeout in the middle of a play? Is that allowed? Down. 
Yeah. Is the linebacker like, just throwing it up, up panicking? Up. Tie, whoa, 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 my shoe's untied. Like, this is the senior bowl. We're, we're not supposed to be uh, burying <laughs> each other out here. But that's... I was about to say, don't kill me before the draft, man. Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> it's it, it indicates to me something, or, or it's, a, it's an indicator of something larger about Steve Avila's game. It's that he okay. looks so big that he doesn't appear to be moving as fast as he actually is. And that's why I watched the tape. And and by the He's way, like a, like a like a bit of a glacier falling off, and it looks like it's yes. moving in slow motion, but it's actually yes. going at terminal velocity, falling to the ocean like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I I by the way, people make their jokes about that national championship game. Steve Avila actually had some pretty good reps in that. He game may have been the up. only guy that was yeah. impressive on the in in the purple that night, <laughs> going up against Jalen Carter, no less. So that was I, I've a, heard of that guy. Yeah, yeah, that was a a good game from him. I think there's a a, a fee fi fo fum kind of quality to him, you know. I'm right, we that, got... that's a that's a draft jargon that I didn't have in the bag, <laughs> but it's in the bag now. Fee fi fo fum when we're talking you know, about linemen. We that's we got great. some we got some Jack in the Beanstalk syndrome with him, <laughs> but my man can move, and they weren't okay. afraid to pull him. They weren't afraid to get him in space, and to me, man, I look at Steve Avila and. I see a complete guard prospect that can do a little bit of everything pretty damn mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. No, I agree entirely. So Avila on the consensus board is the third overall interior offensive lineman. Love uh, it. Number 51 overall. As I'm saying these numbers out loud, I'm realizing that I'd already read them. So if you'd forgotten <laughs> while Stoney was talking, yeah. that's where he's at on the consensus board. Um, we have him as our, as our fourth guy pulling up his numbers. Again, we, we mentioned the height and weight are, are the heights fine. The weight is ridiculous. 332 pounds, 33 inch arms longer than most guards. Totally fine. What's up? Well, I've, he can also play center too. Yes, yes, yes. That is totally fair. He can play center. Um, he, he's, he's among the more versatile interior guys. Now you, I don't, you wouldn't want him on the outside. I don't think he's got no. the, he doesn't have the step for that. He's got the speed for it, but not the explosiveness. His Straight line speed is actually kind of crazy for a 330 yeah. pounder. He ran a 52140, which is the 69th percentile. Mm -hmm. Um, and his 10 yard split is 186. That's 24th percentile. So that's reflective of the fact that he's he's a he's a you know a refrigerator with legs. Like it takes a while, the Bingo. momentum. He's a he's a train, but then once he gets going, good luck. It's downhill, and you're you're if you're in the way, you're you're no longer uh going to be living when he gets done with you. He's got decent agility. Um, his three cone and 20 yard shuttle are both right around the 50th percentile. So again, not super explosive, not a ton of acceleration, but what you're looking for in a complete guard is okay. Is he a big fella? Can he move well, in, you know, in a, in a phone booth and does he have agility to maybe, you know, as a, as a pulling guy, can he get around the edge? Does he have a top speed to match with that where he can fly and, and murder a linebacker at the second level who wishes he never got in the way that is absolutely within uh, Steve Avila is back. He can he can do those things. If I had to describe him in one word, Stony, it's anchor. And we talk about his weight, yeah. which is uh, which is similar to that. Um, but his anchor is kind of crazy. Uh, that's why I opened up talking about him in the way of you have to go around, over, or under. You cannot go through. There's an element like it, this is the most elementary way possible. I don't know if you've ever seen the YouTube videos where it's like an expert explains a concept. To a five-year-old, a ten-year-old, a high schooler, and a and a college student. Yeah, yeah. If I were to explain this this guy Steve Avila to a five-year-old, I would say 
with an offensive lineman, their number one job when they're pass blocking is to not let the guy get to the guy behind them. And that helps. Uh, it helps a lot. It makes it a lot easier to do that if it's kind of impossible to get around you. Like if you have to take a taxi to get around you and it's like you have to take I-40 all the way around Nashville mm -hmm. or a 440 all the way around Nashville, like that's what you have to do with Steve Avila. You can't just slide through the gap as an interior guy that big body it's like you have one and a half linemen just in terms of space in the way and again that's a super elementary thing but it it bears repeating because there truly are some outliers in the nfl there's a guy that we're going to talk about on the tackles list who happens to be the biggest person you've ever heard of who i'm going to say the exact same things for yeah um and you know who i'm talking about yeah but that that mm -hmm. you, like it's not the case for everybody they're all big there are a, a handful of guys in the nfl where it's just like what is one of their biggest traits? The fact that they're so big, it's hard to get around them, even if they stand still. And that's the case with Steve Avila. If I have to say something in terms of what can he improve on, um, as a as a run run game guy, as a road grader, he's nice. But the thing that I was and I I won't rip this off, but I was listening to Mike Renner talk about this, and then I went and watched the tape and and was like, you know what? I agree. His angles in the run game are kind of suspect at times. He can kind of overcommit a little bit. Um, and maybe that's the fact that he's switched positions a little bit. I think he mentioned the fact that moving, um, you know, a transposition issue from center to tackle. That was the thing that he mentioned that may have been a cause there. He just he lost too many blocks at the, you know, just at the snap immediately because of a poor angle of attack. It's not, again, not a matter of he's not big enough or not strong enough. He just he doesn't pick the best angles sometimes. That's really the number one knock on him. Otherwise, I think he's a very among the safer picks on here. I'd be. I'd be not shocked, but I'd be pretty surprised if Steve Avila flamed out and wasn't a competent uh, tackle or uh, guard at the next level. I think that this guy can play ball. Another guy I think I want to. I think yeah. I want to move him to number one on my board. Which just now that we, now that we just just to be able to just, say it. Yeah, I know. Like I'm, you, I, I'm you know tired what? of hiding my feelings for right. Steve Avila. He's yeah, one of my Jonathan biggest. Put Jonathan Mingo up crushes. there. Put Steve Avila. <laughs> <laughs> same same exact deal. Yeah. No, exactly. I, listen, I wouldn't look I, I'd look at you cross-eyed if you had Mingo at the top of your wide receiver board, but I would not look at you cross-eyed if you had Avila at the top of your wide receiver board. Truly, I would not. I mean, we have him as a top four guy. I'd take him in a heartbeat. Really, maybe the the, the number one reason why I don't have him higher, Stoney, is he really does not have the versatility that my next yeah. three guys do. He does does not have a lot of flexibility in how you can utilize him. A guy that has a little bit more flexibility in the way that you can deploy him, in my opinion is my interior offensive lineman five moving backwards for a moment. This guy I'm, I'm sure is in your top three. There's no way you left him off of your board. It's Osiris Torrance out of Florida. I'm lower on him than most, according to many, including the consensus draft board. So I guess, according to most, he is the number one interior guy. Now that, that is, we've reached the point of the program where we need to discuss Peter Skronsky and the fact that some people have him on one or the other of their boards. And some people have him on both. Do you have yeah. him on your interior board? I've got him. I've got him on both. Okay. Okay. So I had him on both originally. And then because I had a, a tackle that I, or excuse me, because I had a, a interior guy that I wanted to squeeze in there in Olu Olu or excuse me, in Luke Weipler, uh, we, we had to, we had to talk a little, I had to talk myself into leaving him as a, a tackle, even though I'll, I'll get ridiculed for that a little bit. I'm going to go all in on him being a tackle and I will explain that more tomorrow i'll let you explain him as as a interior guy today but i'm just parsing that by saying all of my guys would be moved down one if, if you told me he had to be on my interior line board 
he's he's the number one with a bullet, not even remotely close. He's not on my board. Osiris Torrance, when he's not on your board, and they don't consider him to be one on the consensus uh, NFL mock draft database.com, he's a tackle. So the number one overall interior guy they have is Osiris Torrance. It's the 29th overall interior lineman. Um, a lot of people talk about him like a bona fide first round pick. I don't know if he's a bona fide first round pick just because of how much talent there is at the tackle position, but then also at the tight end position, at the cornerback position, at the edge position, at the quarterback position. I wouldn't say there's a lot of talent at the wide receiver position, but teams are much more likely to convince themselves to overdraft a receiver than a guard. Like, sure. I just think he might get pushed out a little bit. He's for sure a top. I mean, I'd be floored if he's still there at 50. I, I'd be shocked if he's not gone by at least the first 10 or so picks on day two. He underwhelmed me on tape. And I talked a little bit with a, a friend, a, a, a fellow friend of ours, James Foster, who's a friend of the show. He's not very high on him either. We talked about him maybe a month and a half ago on the show as a bit of a draft primer and just how he was one of the guys that James was lower on than the consensus. And I was kind of surprised by that. But then when I dug my teeth into him, I was kind of seeing the same things that James did. Where, where was he before I, I say why I'm not a huge fan of him. Where is he on your board? And maybe you can talk about the things that you do like about Osiris Torrance. He's number three on my board, but it's okay. it's really similar to your feelings on Jarrett Patterson. Like he is just the most dude, dude of all dudes. I'm so glad you said draft. that because that's like exactly what I was going to say. Yep. He he's somebody that if you if Patterson is just a dude, he's he's the just a dude free version, and I think Osiris Torrance is the is the 99 cent. He's he's the Twitter blue <laughs> dude. Like he's just it's it's slightly better, but it's not amazing. That's how I, I, I think thought. If you need Osiris Torrance to do one thing and just stand there and not move and not get moved either, mm -hmm. I think he's the best at that in the draft class. And I love that you we we are so in in lockstep on this guy because that's the other main point I was going to make. Like in I, terms of how many different things are in their bag, what is yeah. their skill set? Torrance, you like there so there are certain players that I'm stumbling all over my own words. There are certain players in the draft we were like, you could put him on any team and I would love the fit. I think he'd be amazing. Osiris Torrance is the complete opposite of that to me. I think that where he goes is very, very, very important. And I think yeah. it's going to be very specific to him as a player. And I think that may be the reason why he drops down because every time we go through the whole list of the NFL, there aren't 32 teams taking him or passing on him. I mm -hmm. think that there's 15 teams that are even considering him, frankly. Yeah, I, I look at like the Baltimore Ravens as mm -hmm. one of those teams, like mm -hmm. the the Philadelphia Eagles as yep. one of those teams that that could, and not necessarily an fill an immediate need with someone like Torrance. But I think I, I you know I look at it through the lens of what's going to translate to the NFL, and I think I'm looking at O Torrance, excuse me, who Osiris Torrance? As, oh Torrance, yeah. <laughs> oh, Torrance? just shorten his name, yeah. Um, looking at him through the lens of, you know what, he's got a really high floor if he lands with the right team where he can just stand there and do his thing for the next 10 years. I will say people kind of raved about him the senior bowl week down in Mobile, Alabama. Yep. And I, there were a few times that I saw him get beat pretty badly by a quick interior defensive line mm. um, pass rush ability. And it did kind of put a little bit of doubt in my mind, but I thought, you know what, the right offense, they're just going to ask him to go out there and mow people down 
And if that's what you need him to do, and he's in a system where he can do that, I think he can have a pretty lengthy career in the NFL. But there is, to me, there's nothing flashy about Osiris Torrance at all. No, not at all. And when you look at different draft evaluators, you go to the athletic, you go to PFF, you go to uh, the ringer, the write up on this guy from pretty much everyone I've seen is basically reflective of our opinion that he's just a guy, but in nicer terms, like I'm looking at PFFs right now and it says, what can he improve? Very little. There's not much on tape that I'd call a glaring issue. Mm. Me neither. There's not much on tape. I'd call a glaring issue. There's also not much on tape that I'd be really all that jacked about. Yeah. Not much to excite me. Like you left out, you, you buried the, the lead there. I think you left out the important half of that sentence for people that are looking for high end draft potential. He's got high end draft floor, but the ceiling agreed. It's just, he's a guard. He wins with very easy power. He's a powerful guy. He's a strong guy. And it's not his size. That you're going to be drafting him for by any means. If you pull up his measurables, um, I almost put in O Torrance. Thanks a lot for that. I'm saying <laughs> that until the draft because of you. Yeah. Um, he comes in, here we go. He's got, he's got good size. Uh, did I say you're not drafting him for his size? I meant you're not drafting him for his athleticism. You are drafting him for his size. Thank you. That's all you're Uh, drafting him for. Yes. You are only drafting him for his size. You are not drafting him (laughs) for his athleticism. He's 85th and 87th percentile height and weight. Okay. Almost six, six, 330 pounds. Another big fellow like Avila. Yeah. Not nearly as athletic, explosive, or agile as Avila. 20 yard shuttle, broad jump, vert. 40-yard dash, 10-yard split, all of those things are below the below the 40, 41st percentile. His 40-yard dash is a 47th percentile, so he's got some decent straight-line speed, but his everything else is not great. He's got relatively long arms. I mean, he's just an eighth of an inch shy of that 34-inch benchmark you're looking for for tackles. So if he was, he was like 50% more athletic, he might could be a really good tackle, but he's not. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, with him on in college, I'm I'm sitting here kind of rambling, trying to figure out what to say because again, there's just not there's not a whole lot of good or bad to mention with him, right? Like I'm I'm kind of at a loss for words. Do you think it's weird that the Titans have have shown an interest in him, considering that they've talked to like 30 different pass protectors and then Osiris Torrance? Like, are so, they just trying to gain intel on Anthony Richardson here? Maybe my answer to that question is yes and no. I I do not find it weird that they're looking into him because again, I think that they, depending on what they do with their first pick are, are highly likely to be looking at linemen with their second pick at 41 overall. Mm. And because there may only be 15 or 16 teams in the entire league, considering him, they may be thinking, well, if this guy who's a, you know, on most draft boards, a first round pick, if he follows to us at 41, like we need to, at least have a, our, we need to, we need to have a firm answer. We're confident in as to whether or not we're interested in him. So that part makes sense to me. What, what I do find weird about them expressing interest in him is again, from a scheme standpoint, I don't, I don't, if I were to give you the list of the 15 teams, I think should be interested in him. The Titans aren't necessarily on that list. And that's not because of the Titans of old. That's because of what I think the Titans are trying to become now. If you'd asked me during last year's draft, I'd have said, yeah, man, the Titans should absolutely be looking at Osiris Torrance. They're just, you know, they're going to want to run and and he can just be in the way in, in the run game. Cool. Um, but they're seemingly not interested in doing that as much. Uh, I guess that's not true. They want to be good run blockers, but they are shifting their focus based on who they've signed in free agency. The the Daniel Brunskills, the um, 
the uh, 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 so many names now. Who, who's the left left tackle that they, Andre, uh, Dillard. Andre Dillard? Thank you, yeah. Andre Dillard out of, of Philadelphia. Those guys are better run or better pass blockers than they are run blockers. Osiris Torrance is kind of the opposite to me. Um, when not kind of, he's definitively the opposite. If you trust PFF's grades, he's like 14 points better as a run blocker than a pass blocker. He's a, a fine pass blocker, but that was with a Florida team um, that faced some good competition in the SEC for sure. Mm-hmm. But he's got somebody that is relatively good at navigating the pocket back there in Anthony Richardson, maybe the best at navigating the pocket in this class, depending on who you ask. So I'm sure that probably played a decent, um, a decent role as a zone blocker. He's that's what he's best at is, is his zone ability. He's got a 90.2 grade on PFF. And for those that aren't familiar, they don't throw around 90 grades willy nilly. So his ability as a zone blocker is very, very high. But that's because, again, he's just a body in the way. Beyond that, skill-wise, it's fine, right? Um, but, yeah, that's that's really all I have to say on him. We can move into our top three if you're ready. And actually, he was your your third guy, I guess. Have yeah, we, I was about to say he was number three for me. So we've anybody? Have we missed your – let's see. Uh, I, I do want to mention talk? John Michael oh, yeah. Schmitz. Okay, no, he's – so that's the other – the flip-flop here. He's in my top three. So we'll, we'll talk oh, about okay. him now, but let's lay out our top threes real quick. So you had him, John Michael Schmitz, at five. Five. I have him in my top three. I'll get to him in a second. Joe Tipman out of Wisconsin at three for me. I'm very high on Tipman compared to the – well, not very high, but higher than the consensus. I have John Michael Schmitz as my number two overall interior okay. guy. I love this guy. You may have thought you me loved too. him. No, I don't love, I love him that much. I, you don't love him like I love him. <laughs> I don't love Mingo like you love Mingo. You don't love yeah. Schmitz like I love Schmitz. I'm big on him, but I haven't beat out my number one interior offensive lineman, and I wasn't sure if I was going to make him a tackle or a, uh, an interior guy. I made him an interior guy, and I think he's the best in the bunch. It's Cody Mock. Who are you? Oh, top three? You took you stole my thunder. He's my number two. Is he number, one, number two? Okay. Yeah. And yeah. that's only because I've got Skaronsky at number one. Right. So he'd be your number one if, <laughs> if we both had Skaronsky yeah. and Mock mixed I thought, and matched. I thought I was going to bring a hot take to the Hot Read podcast. No, I it thought... counts. It counts. Skaronsky's the outlier. It's like saying that Jeffrey Simmons has the most money for defensive tackles. We all know it's not more than Aaron Donald, but like it's still it's still impressive. We know that Skaronsky's the best talent at the entire offensive line position in this draft. But into your specific guys... It's Cody Mock, and I expected you to come in here high on him because I remember us talking about him yeah. and what you'd seen from him at the Senior Bowl. Speaking of versatility, not to get ahead of ourselves, but let's start with John Michael Schmitz. Um, we're both very high on him. He is your interior offensive lineman five. He's my interior offensive lineman number two on the consensus board. He is um, listed as an interior offensive lineman. He's the number four guy, 53rd overall. Um, so he's going to be available. I, I, I am relatively confident he will be there and ripe for picking right around the 41 area with the Titans. Now they, they're not going to be able to wait until the third round. If they want him, if they want him, they'd have to take him at 41, but I love this guy for a number of reasons. Chief amongst them is his versatility. You are the guest though. I'll let you go first. What did you see in, wait a second. I'm so sorry. I just read you Cody mock numbers. John Michael Schmitz is higher than that. I, I got I got my guys mixed up. All right, all right. This is this is a this is a tough one for me. I'm juggling a lot of things right now. Uh, John Michael Schmitz. He's the 45th overall player. Everything else I said applies. He's going to be right for picking around 41. He won't be there at three. Okay. Now that we've t- talked about the right guy, John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota. What he's versatile as well, in my opinion. What did you like about him? 
man, I think he's a really safe, high floor prospect that safe, could safe, safe. Yep. outlast the entire interior offensive line class in terms of tenure in the NFL. Mm. Um, and why is that? Well, I just like he's got the he's got the goods from the neck up. I mean, he's a field general. Zach and I both noticed him at the senior bowl, like basically running the drills with the interior offensive linemen, um, calling things out, directing traffic, giving guys tips. I mean, almost felt like another coach on the field. And this kid's, you know, mm-hmm. still he's not even in the NFL yet. So <laughs> I felt like he had that field general vibe going for him. But then like the first step, man. I mean, he's so quick to get into space and lateral agility, all of that sort of stuff. Like he's good balance, good technique. To me, he looks like a really refined NFL ready prospect that man, yep. people say he's he's like the northern Ben Jones. And I I try to I don't kinda do a looks, lot of players to, to be honest. Yes, yeah, yeah. looking at him. Yeah. I, I don't like doing a lot of player comparisons because like i just you never know i mean careers yeah, it, can it go always in a different ways it always it, you're always too high or low on your comparison yeah. right it's either like why'd you compare him to that bum or no he's not going to be randy moss shut up okay like yeah. okay fine if you're just going to critique the comps then i'm not going to comp i'm with you yeah but but man like the ben jones comparison it hits with me it, it hits. does mm-hmm. yeah no i agree his role is as a center for sure you want somebody that sees the way, sees the game the way that Schmitz does. Whenever I, you read about him, pretty much anybody that's done a profile on him, they will mention what you, it seems, saw in in real life in the wild in Mobile. This guy's a leader. He's a communicator. He is an intelligent football player. This guy gets it. And I mean, if you're looking for a center to be a, a long time starter in the NFL, that it's those guys. It's the cerebral guys. It's the Jason Kelsey's. It's the Ben Joneses who have really, really long careers. He had a long college career, played four full years in college in Minnesota from a measurable standpoint. That's the low point for him. What he can improve on, in my opinion, is, is just his size. You can't get any taller, but he can put on a little bit of weight. He's just north of 300, 301 pounds, 38th percentile for guards or for centers, rather six, three, 54th percentile. His uh, arm length is what you'd expect for a center. His speed is also what you'd expect for a center, but all, all of those metrics are relatively low, but he's got really nice agility and explosiveness, which again, I like, let's put, let's take agility and explosiveness and put those vocab words in a phone booth and make an awesome center. That's what this guy is. 68th, 62nd, 68th, 51st percentile for the vert broad shuttle and cone drills respectively. So he's above average in all of those agility and explosiveness metrics. When you look at his college performance, he's relatively consistent year to year, uh, or excuse me, game to game. And then you look year to year, he's one of those guys that, like I said, I'm a sucker for a guy that is still on an upward trajectory. This guy is. Let me read you his 2020, 21, and 22 PFF overall season grades. He starts out monstrous, and again, he's playing for Minnesota, so he's not playing the best competition in college, but he's not playing D3 either. In 2020, he had an 82.9 grade. In 21, 88.5, and then in 22, 92.3. 92.3 is a ridiculous grade. That is just a a tenth of a point shy of the grade that PFF gave him him for a run-blocking grade, 92.4. Again, another Ben Jones comp. he's He's a better run blocker than he is a pass blocker. But he's a really good pass blocker too. 81 overall grade in his entire 
career, or excuse me, it doesn't give me the entire career here, but in his last season, we can, we can go with that. Um, that sample size, he allowed two sacks, one hit and five hurries. And then, um, when, when you break it down from a tape standpoint, he's not the best at being able to get out of trouble. That's the other thing that stuck out to me about him. It's similar to Steve Avila. Like when things go bad at the jump, he's not great at adjusting, um, which is easier said than done. When he does manage to get his hands on the guy and he's not getting backdoored or getting blown by or taking a bad angle or whatever, he's a very savvy player. He's got a ton of experience. He sees the field very well. He's he's able to communicate, call outs, find the Mike linebacker, find the will linebacker, give change assignments. Com- like that, that's what you want in your center. And that's a part of the reason why a lot of guys at the center position that come out of the draft don't start right away because there's a massive mental element, field general element that they need to learn to be able to operate at that position. John Michael Schmitz is a guy that I think could be a day one starter and then start every day from day one through day 10,000 or whatever it is. I'm with you. I think a 10, 11, 12 year career is absolutely in the cards for this guy. I like him a lot. He may never be a pro bowler, but he may be a, a bona fide starter above average starter for a team again for over a decade. And that's what you're looking for in the draft. What else can you really ask for? Right. That's right. We stand Northern Ben Jones. We, we do. We stand Northern Ben Jones, John Michael Jingleheimer Schmitz. The <laughs> next guy we have to talk about here is uh, a guy that you correct me if I'm wrong. You left Joe Tipman off your board. I did, man. Okay. I'm, I'm not the, so I'm really high on Joe Tipman compared to you. Let me see where he's at on my big. Yeah, where board. is he on your board? And what position? Because do you, I mean, surely you have him as a guard, right? I've got him at center. Okay. I think okay. A, I, yeah, I don't. I don't know why I said surely. I, I agree. He could play a center position. Um, he's not. He's certainly. Him. He's certainly no tackle. But I could see him uh, at the center role. I've got, I've got I'm trying to find where he is on the consensus board here. Oh, I see. Okay. I've got him at center number seven. Center seven. <laughs> Stoney, you got to go back and rewatch some Joe Tipman tape. Okay. I just watched I, him today. I just watched him today. Wow. Okay. Well, I got John well, then you know what? Well, before I go into talking about him, tell me, you, you're you fresh off the tape. You watched him today. What was it about him that left you underwhelmed? I just love my my note and my eval. You okay. won't find the biggest Tipman fan here. Uh, I, I think, <laughs> I think his game is yeah. predicated on his strength and power and run blocking, mm-hmm. but I'm not really sold on anything else that he does. I think, you know, he initiates contact in the run. I think the name yep. of his game is is pull and demolish. And I think sure. that gives him a, a high floor in the right offense. But there were two things that really bothered me watching him. And I, I watched his game against Illinois, Ohio State, and Michigan State. Uh, his hands come from under quite a bit. It's almost like he's trying to double undercut the defensive tackle and like straight into the armpits or something like that. So his hands, you know, I've written down here on my can improve section is, is hand, hand use, hand placement. So I no agree. Way. I'm with oh, you. That's there. awesome. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I think he kind of comes out a little, a little flaily again, mm-hmm. like sure. I'm just making up draft terminology here on this. No, show no, no. Today, that's, but... that's, that's canon. Flaily is, is uh, okay. firmly within the Rolodex. Yeah. But it allows rushers to get their hands on his chest and shoulders. They can punch him. They can pretty easily reroute him. The twitchy interior rushers can just absolutely work the guy if they they play with their hands. But it also kind of felt like he was on the ground quite a bit to be such a powerful, uh, strong guy. It kind of felt like 
he was pretty easily removed from the play at times. And then there were times that I noticed he would be out in space in pursuit of a play and would just like bump into somebody and, and would be on the ground. So I was kind of like, I don't know. Again, kind of watching and thinking about these guys through the lens of the Tennessee Titans, I just thought, I don't know if he really fits the profile of what they're what they seem to be looking for out of this draft class based on who they're meeting with outside of Osiris Torrance. Okay, so a couple of things. First of all, you started your discussion on Joe Tipman saying that you're not the biggest Tipman fan out there. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. But have you seen him with his helmet off? Because I, I, I have, feel yeah. like I'm I'm shocked you can hold that opinion. You're not a fan of him when you've well, seen that listen, head of hair. I didn't say because I didn't want to have go have a beer with the guy. Well, I want to be his best friend based on his <laughs> haircut. Yeah, no, he looks like the best hang in the world. This guy, yeah, he's like I don't even know a, a good a good comp. He's like prime Billy Ray Cyrus if he added a hundred pounds. <laughs> is what he is genuinely what he looks like. Very full mullet, glorious beard, chin strap beard situation. He's got the mustache to boot. Like I, I think the look is awesome. In terms of the football, which I guess comes secondary here, um, I, the reason why I'm so high on him is I kept watching him and kept looking at the numbers, and I truly just saw Aaron Brewer if he was big enough to be good mm. at being Aaron Brewer. You know, as what? A, as a guard, I can yeah, I can kind of see that for and sure. And that's that's important because as a guard, Aaron Brewer is in fact not big enough <laughs> to be good at being Aaron Brewer, but, but he has that... is big enough to be good at being Aaron Brewer. He's got that tougher than a $2 state quality about him. He does. And he's got the size to match. So like, if you're looking at the actual comp, right? Aaron Brewer, his, his size number. Let me see. I, I'm sure he's on. Uh, nope. Just kidding. He's not on mock draftable. I thought he might be. They got a lot of guys, but they don't have him All on right. there. He, uh, I mean, it makes sense. He's, he's kind of a smaller school guy. Went to Texas state, but Aaron Brewer, six, one, two seventy four. Okay. When we go look at Tipman. He's 6'6", so he's got five inches on the guy, 97th percentile for height, and then 313 pounds. How many pounds did Aaron Brewer weigh? Uh, 274? Okay, yeah, so he's, he's got he's got well over, or yeah, almost, almost 50, no, math, 40 pounds. He's got 40 pounds on Aaron Brewer. He's got a, a really nice wingspan for a guy that only has 32 and three-fourths inch arms. He's got an 80 inch wingspan. So like his reach is better than I think his arm length lets on. But the thing that I have to, to narrow in on here. And the reason again, why I have him so high is because I see him as that more undersized guard that if utilized the correct way, he's got a creative offensive line uh, coach or coordinator, uh, offensive coordinator that, that utilizes him in a way that is most advantageous for his play style and for his size. In my opinion, I think he can be a stud. Truly. I, I do. You hear when the Titans were still trying to use Aaron Brewer at that guard position, guys like me and Mike Herndon. I remember on the Mike Herndon show all the way back, like in week four last year, we're going through some of the tape and doing a little bit of defending, our guy, Aaron Brewer, because yeah, he's got some shortcomings and it got really bad when he didn't have a great left tackle to help him out. But generally speaking, his ability to climb to the second level and be the ultimate mismatch from an athleticism and size standpoint as a pulling guard is ridiculous. And I think that that is what you've got in Joe Tipman. He's got the athleticism to pair with the size necessary to hang as a, as a traditional guard. But that athleticism is is ridiculous, and I'm going to pull up his um, testing numbers here. Oh shoot! Okay, just to trust me, because on the on tape, I mean, Stony is not high on him, and at least Stony can corroborate 
guys, guys athletic, right? We don't, we yes. don't have the explosiveness or speed numbers on him, or at least I, I'm not seeing them here. He absolutely is, is a explosive, agile, quick athlete. His role is definitely as a guard or a center. I don't see him moving outside under any circumstances. And I agree he needs to have tighter hands, but man, I just can't help. I can't shake the fact that if he gets put with the right guy, he uses him in that way and just creates the ultimate mismatch six, seven, eight, nine, ten times a game with some poor linebacker or some poor edge defender or some poor secondary player, which who might truly die. Um <laughs> Th th that mismatch at the second level in, in a run run scheme could be really nasty. And he could be your, your, um, Oh, Oh, who's, uh, so many names. I'm, I'm now forgetting names. Who's the, the tight end quarterback that was with new Orleans and now is with Denver. Wait, I, I have no, the tight the, end quarterback, yeah, the guy that, that plays quarter, the Sean Payton swears he's a quarterback, but he's really a tight end. And he, Taysom he plays Hill? like every, yes, Taysom Hill. Thank you. Okay. I could not get his okay. name in my head to, to save my life. He could be the Taysom Hill of the offensive line to me. He could oh, be your I secret, yeah. your secret weapon is what I was trying to get at. Like the guy that gotcha. can do something that a lot of guys at that position cannot do. I think Joe Tipman could. So like, is it a projection based ranking at three? Yeah, absolutely. It is on, on my part at least, but I, I, I'm pretty confident he could be that guy. Does that maybe change your mind a little bit on him? Have I put that planted that thought into your head? Uh, no, because I don't have my list in front of me, so I don't okay. remember off the top of my head who the six <laughs> guys are in front okay, of him. Fair, fair he might have moved past Ricky Stromberg. You might have got me there. Okay. All right. Well, that leaves us with just one guy, if I'm not mistaken, and that's the guy that. Well, uh, nope. Just kidding. You've got Skaronsky still. One guy that we have in common. That's Skaronsky's Cody. Skaronsky's easy though. I can get yeah. him out of the way real quick. Let's do. Let's do that. Let's let's have you yeah. cover Skaronsky, and we can maybe talk about him a little bit more in detail on tomorrow's episode when we talk tackle the tackles because he is on my board. Um, what do you like about Skaronsky? Everyone knows why you have him as an interior guy as well as as a tackle. That length yeah. is an issue, but. Yeah it's pretty it's pretty universally understood that in terms of overall offensive ta offensive lineman talent in this draft the number one guy is peter skaronsky out of northwestern with the bullet i i think that he is a very skillful player he's very yep. refined he plays with good positioning the things that i worry about with skaronsky aren't even arm length related necessarily i think that does impact his reach and that's important when you're playing tackle in the nfl but i don't think it's so bad that you don't even give the guy a shot and ultimately that's why i left him on my tackle list but for me it's about man i, I know he tested well athletically but there was something about the eye test watching the tape that i just don't think he's very explosive very speedy i think that's a reason to kick him inside and i, I didn't see consistent aggression out of him i think there's a god i hate to use the term i'm not even going to say it i'm not even well oh, you have to say have it to. now now you i have, have to say it i i don't want to call him soft because Whoa. i don't i don't <laughs> think he's soft <laughs> but i think you know what I, I i think he lacks an edge i don't think there's an edge to his game and ultimately i You're i talking just about think peter here i just don't think that he's got a Okay. Hey, listen, punishing I, it's just kind one of mindset. To another, I, but I, this is interesting because I this is the most I've disagreed with anything you've said today. But yeah, just, please continue. I'll defend it tomorrow. You just you just put him inside at guard, and I think he's going to be good. I and listen, like I said, well, I agree there. I, he's going to be. I a don't think. Guard. I don't think you. I think if you want to give him a shot at tackle, you can. I think he he's built to play guard, and um, I just 
don't think that he has the um I don't know that I would call him elite among the tackles, if that makes sense. And if if that's the argument, then I like I, I disagree, but I can totally understand why that's the argument. Um, this is truly a a tease. Could just consider it a two part special. Frankly, you'll have to tune in tomorrow if you want to hear me defend my guy. Uh, yeah, my my guy here. It's it's a, a shame that, that he has been dragged through the mud as much as he has this draft <laughs> season because he truly he, he truly is an amazing player. Like he's going to be good in the NFL. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind he's going to be. If I if you had to. If you told me I need you to pick five players from this draft class who you are confident will be NFL average level starters or better, he would be among one of those five guys. Now, the debate, obviously, is whether or not he's a tackle value or a guard value. Worst case scenario, in my opinion, is he's a very, 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 very good guard. And so I, I appreciate you at least putting him at number one on your list. On my yeah. list, because I have Skaronsky on my tackle list, it's Cody Mock at one. And you've got Cody Mock as your best non Skaronsky guy. So let's yeah. dive into him. You got very excited about Cody Mock. I remember in Mobile for for good reasons. I got very excited about him when I got to meet him and then see him in Indianapolis. We both have firsthand experience with Cody Mock. We both watched the tape on him. We both understand just how versatile a player he is. On the consensus board, for reference, Cody Mock is the number four interior offensive lineman, 53rd overall. So just like Steve Avila and John Michael Schmitz, he's going to be there probably at the 41st pick, the Titan second round pick, he almost, I'd be floored if he's there beyond that. And, and frankly, if I had to pick any of those three guys to be gone by 41, it's Cody mock. I just think he's going to be a, because of he's because of his, his incredible versatility, he's going to be advertising to a ton of teams. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, there's no other offensive lineman in this draft class that offers true five position versatility Dead along coming. the offensive line yeah, that was, i had that written down yes he's the only yes. guy we agree completely he's the only guy that could technically play all of the positions competently yeah. in my opinion but he's athletic man he he plays with such a a nasty streak a punch at the second mm -hmm. level i i think he's i don't know if i'd call him a wrestler but like Man, he well, doesn't he have there. a wrestling background? I'm I'm pretty well, sure. Well, yeah, does. I guess yeah. he could literally be a wrestler. I think wrestler, he literally but... is a wrestler. So if you see wrestling uh elements of his game, I think it tracks because I'm pretty sure he was a very good wrestler. But I think like wrestling implies that the other party is wrestling back. Ah. And that's not always the case with Cody Mog because he gets his hands on people and just slings them to the ground, you know. Yeah, He's... that paints a good picture. No, I agree. Yeah. He, he's a he's a fighter man and, and he is the type of player that wants to drag you down to a knife fight in the mud man I, I love watching him play when I talk about competitive spirit and fire being such a big thing for me when I watch offensive linemen I don't think anybody in this draft class has it quite like Cody mock does no I agree let's look at his measurables here as my computer decides to be very slow on me. Cody Mock is, uh, because of that versatility, as you could imagine, he's not the biggest guy, but he's very athletic. When, yeah. when it comes to versatility, it's usually because they're very athletic. Um, the size is lacking for sure. 6'5", that's not necessarily lacking. 30th percentile for tackles. Again, he's listed as a tackle on Mock Draftable. That'd be higher for the guards. 302 pounds is 12th percentile for tackles. I guess we should, before I even finish, well, I'll run down the, the numbers here, but then I have a question for you. Okay. Um, 32 and three eighths inch arms, fifth percentile for tackles, very short arms for a tackle. 
His 40 yard dash and 10 yard split are good. 10 yard split is middle of the road. 40 yard dash 508, 82nd percentile for a tackle. Not as good for a guard, but still almost five flat is very impressive for a big fella. He can move. And by the way, tangent, go find the tweet where I tagged Stoney from like three weeks ago is a, a, a screen cap that I accidentally illegally got at the, the combine <laughs> that I may have taken a picture I wasn't supposed to, but I wanted to take a picture of some of these guys. And so I snuck this one and it's this, this glorious mane flowing in the wind as Cody Muck runs down with the ferocity. It looks if you were in the way of this man in this picture and and I, I'm going to try to paint the picture for you here. It would be like, you know, similar to the feeling of uh, being chased by a bear. Like you're looking for a friend, but nearby exactly. to trip so that yeah. whoever's chasing so that Cody mock eats him and not you. Um, that that is absolutely the way. And maybe that all just ties into the fact that he is a wrestler. He's a bear out there. Uh, his vertical jump, broad jump, three cone shuttle, all of them well above average. Ninety third percentile three cone seven, three, three, three cone for draft nerds will understand. For a guy of his size, a 300 pounder doing a 733 is stupid, stupid. Um, so he's he's got the goods from an athletic standpoint. He's just not the biggest guy in the world. That established, do you, Stoney, see any world in which he is playing tackle for anybody in the NFL? I, I don't, I think he could in a pinch, but I don't and see that's a exactly team what I was going to say. Yeah. Trying like a, it in an emergency situation, like yeah. maybe. I don't know. Maybe he ends up with a team that has five established starters, but they need that sixth man to kind of come off the bench wherever mm -hmm. fill in. Um, and maybe he could fill that role, but I think he's going to make his hay in the NFL as a guard. And, and that's the thing. He only has a total of, I can count all this out. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, uh, 15 total snaps in college, not at left tackle or right tackle. He's got 103 more at right tackle and then 800, 800, and 450 at left tackle. He's a, yeah. He was a left tackle in college for sure. He was the, mm -hmm. um, uh, his predecessor is a, is a guy that uh, Titans fans are going to know who has not worked out the greatest in Nashville so far. Um, but, but Cody Mock is somebody who you're having to project a little bit again, because he played tackle. Sure. So you, you see him on tape and I, this is what I saw on tape. I'm wondering if you saw the same thing. There were some times that I wish he dominated his ta the talent level of players. He was playing against more than he does, right? He's playing at North Dakota state, lower level of competition for sure. He's not playing the SEC schools or the big 10 schools. And so he's dominating guys, but f you know, you're trying to make an NFL comparison in your head. You're trying to do the calculus and be like, okay, well, what does, what does that level of performance against this guy? That's never going to sniff professional football translate in, in terms of up against a star NFL edge rusher or a star NFL defensive tackle. You know, when Jeffrey Simmons goes up against this guy, what's it going to look like? Probably not good by the way, but that's just Jeffrey Simmons. Um, <laughs> he, he is somebody that didn't dominate a ton on, on the edge. Like I would like to see him do. Did he dominate? Yeah. But because he's playing such low level of talent, I want to see him crush dudes. He didn't always crush dudes. I think it, the guard position or the center position, he, he can crush dudes because the play strength is there. The size isn't, but the speed, the athleticism, the agility, the strength is all there. It, it's really his quickness is the, the biggest thing to me. He's a 300 pounder and the way that he moves is really, really impressive. He's somebody that you could pull and, and use effectively in that way. 
definitely a center or guard. If I had to knock him with one thing, Stoney, what, what would your biggest knock on him be? For me, it's probably just he's not the best pass protector in the world. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, it, it's his frame and exactly what you talked about, like the, the dominance on tape. Like you want to see the traits translate to the field. And I didn't feel like that was always the case with Cody Mock. But, you know, he reminds me of a guy that I was high on last year, uh, Cole Strange, who was 6'5", yeah, 305, yes. Yes. smaller, or I shouldn't say smaller, um, lower level of competition, if you will. Mm -hmm. Didn't exactly dominate on tape. Got into the right system with the New England Patriots. Had a pretty good rookie year. I, I could see... I'm not saying Cody Mock's going to slip into the first round the way that Strange did. That's I what I'm be surprised I mean, if he did. But. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think that kind of player absolutely can be drafted much higher than people think. I mean, do you remember that soundbite from from the Rams head coach yeah. where he was like, "We, we feel dumb him. forever even watching this guy. We don't have a pick <laughs> until the third round. We thought we might take him first, and he's gone by day one." Yeah, um, yeah, I could see him going in the first round for that's, sure. That's a lot of what I see in Cody mock similar sort of things there. So it is like the, the dominance on the tape and then the, um, the frame, but I, man, this might sound crazy. Like he could be that offensive lineman that you report as eligible and throw a pass to as well. With that's that not I think he, at all. That's not crazy at all. Play tight end a little bit he, in his history. He, no, he started as a tight end. Yeah. You must not have seen the before and after picture of him from college because the, this, Oh while I'm yeah. Talking I remember about this, that. Okay. About yeah. to say, I was going to make you look it up if you hadn't seen it. This guy came into college as a boy and is leaving a man. It is ridiculous, yeah. the physical transformation he's gone through. I'm trying to, on the fly here, pull up um, his... Yeah, he was 221 pounds as a tight end and Oof. beefed up to 303 by the end of his playing time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, so he it looks like he didn't really play tight end at all. He came in and they immediately changed him over or very quickly changed him over to to alignment and then to a left tackle but gaining 80 pounds and still maintaining that freakish athleticism that's a big deal that that makes him a bona fide stud athlete and the kind of guy that i think can work really well in the nfl i think we can uh say we've done some really good work here because we've gone very long and we are done now so just to recap <laughs> we're wrapping it up with a bow I'm did you expect to go an hour and 40 minutes on offensive guards i, I mean told you no I talk about this no and yet We've gone like an hour and 20 on this pretty rancid safety group. So like well, it's touche. easy to get carried away. And yeah. if you're a draft nerd like you and I are, we we kind of maybe I'm sure there are a lot of folks that are listening to this podcast on one and a half times. Um, but <laughs> stoke up with that information, however fast or slow you all might want to. Just to recap everything and and wrap it up with a bow here. Stoney's top 10, starting with number 10, his interior lineman 10 is Olu Olu out of Michigan. His ninth interior lineman is Jackson Kirkland out of Washington. Interior lineman eight is Braden Daniels out of Utah. Seven is Tyler Steen out of Alabama. Six is Jarrett Patterson out of Notre Dame. Five, John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota. Four, Steve Avila from TCU. Three, Osiris Torrance out of Florida. Two, Cody Mock out of NDSU. And number one, Peter Skaronsky out of Northwestern. My top 10. My 10th interior lineman is Luke Wipler out of Ohio State. Ninth is Emil Ekior Jr. out of Alabama. Eighth is Olu Olu out of Michigan. Seventh is Chandler Zavala out of NC State. Interior lineman sixth is An Andrew Voorhees out of USC. Five is Osiris Torrance out of Florida. Four is Steve Avila out of TCU. Three is Joe Tipman out of Wisconsin. Two, John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota. And one, Cody Mock out of North Dakota State. 
Stoney, we did an hour and 40 minutes on the interior lineman. We're going to just run it right back tomorrow with the tackles. <laughs> we will, I won't, I won't spend the first 30 minutes of our show talking and over, overarching ideas and, and bantering. We'll dive right in for the sake of the people, but excited to get to that. Uh, appreciate everybody listening before we get out of here. Make sure you rate review, subscribe do all those things. Um, share it with a friend this time of year. There's a lot of people that want to get up on their knowledge of the draft and I maintain that this podcast is one of the very best resources to be able to do that. So send this to your friends and your family who are Titans fans. Make sure to check out, now that this show is over, the previous episodes where we cover the top 10 linebackers, safeties, edge defenders, and interior defensive linemen. Those are the last four episodes on this feed, and we go through me and producer JT, who is not here with us today, go through our top 10 lists at those positions. Tomorrow, you got to tune in for all the things we teased today. Our tackle show comes out on Thursday morning. And then Friday morning, just to tease the rest of the week, we've got my mock draft 2.0 episode coming out where I'll go through the dramatic changes I've made. Let me just say this, Sony. This week, I've been kind of red-pilled or blue-pilled or whichever pill it is that Neo actually takes. I forget. It's been a long time, and I'm not that old. Um it, it is it is a situation this week in my mind where I'm rethinking everything because I think that this year is uniquely it, it is going to end up being a year in which mock drafts across the nation are uniquely bad and wrong. I think that people are yeah. are largely not on the same page in the media and the fan scouts are not on the same page as the front offices. And so I'm, I'm here for the chaos, excited for the chaos. Hey, before I ask you what you want to sell, just a segue, the chaos will be something that you and I get to experience together because this is uh, just on off the cuff here. Sony Keeley is the it. first guest that we're announcing for our live draft show. He'll be with us for the second day, and then we may just go sicko mode and get the third day in there, too. We'll see how well the first two nights go. Um, it'll be JT and I and then maybe some other guests on night one, night two. Definitely some extra guests, including my guy Stoney. And I'm excited. Round two, day, day two is my favorite day. Mine too. I, I'm with round you. Round one's awesome. Don't get me wrong. But round two, you get almost triple the players. You get all the value. It's the area where people still know the names, but they don't quite know the game. The, that, there's a ton of value to be had. Like, I love day two. So I cannot wait to be in person with you. We will watch that entire show together with all of our uh, friends that will be joining us with the live stream. Make sure to put that on your calendar. You don't have any plans for the draft, folks. You got plans to be right wherever you're at with mobile phone service that you can be watching this show and breaking it all down with us as we go through that live show. Now, Stoney, you've been so kind with your time. I'm going to ask you today. I'm going to ask you tomorrow. Tell the people where they can consume what is the most unique content, I think, in the entire Middle Tennessee area, at least. Sobros covers sports, of course. You clearly know what you're talking about, but you guys cover culture better than better than and differently than just about anybody around here. Tell the people what they need to be looking at. Man, I, I appreciate that so much, Easton. Uh, at Stoney Keeley on Twitter, all of my work is at SobrosNetwork.com. Um, I have a Titan show in town as well, the Unofficial Titans podcast. It's a good show, and people. Listen to it. Thank you. Thank you. And yep. my uh, my big board is available exclusively through the Sobros Network Patreon account. Five dollars a month at this point. Like you just kick me five bucks and then unsubscribe at the end of the month if you want to. Is but it five bucks for like two, three thousand words worth of analysis? No, I've let me let me do. I've got my big board open. Let's see that, what we're that up was a to softball now. pitch. I need the number. Yeah. I need the updated number. 
the word count is currently 26,519. <laughs> it is ridiculous. I am on Sony. Why? <laughs> That's I think I'm at, I'm at 183 prospects total that have been graded. Well, not graded. I shouldn't say graded because I don't grade prospects, but I've written about 183 prospects sorted by positional rankings. I've got my overall top 32, which uh, this is, I think might be a hot take. I wanted to, to squeeze this in earlier, but I, Please I missed my moment. Leave the people with the take. I've got Cody Mock at number 19 overall in overall? this entire draft class. Bloody, right now. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Now, well, listen, hey. I, I already told you, I still got to watch like half the cornerbacks, but oh, uh, well, right now. I, I forgot. You don't have corner. Yeah, so he'll be he'll be number he'll be number forty two by the time you're done. Because yeah, exactly, some but, really good quarterbacks. But five dollars a month, patreoncom slash Network. You get uh, access to my uh, my big board there, and at Sobros Network on all major social media platforms. I'm not too hard to find in these internet streets, man. Yeah, he and he's the best, guys. Go check out that draft guide. Absolutely, it's worth every bit of that five dollars. You can find that in your couch. Um, <laughs> But I mean, geez, twenty six thousand words. Call call him Stony Dane Brugler Keeley, because uh, this guy's it? he's got his own little his own nah, little is the wrong word his own medium sized beast right here in Nashville. And hey, if you want somebody who's done that kind of legwork that you'd get in something like the Beast or a PFF mock dra- or a, a PFF draft database, go to the guy in town who's doing it with with the Titans in mind. Like, yeah, you did it agnostically i'm sure it's it is just looking at the guys but there's something about being able to get evaluation on a prospect from somebody that understands your team and when your team's a small market team like the titans and a lot of the national folks who talk about the titans just don't quite understand them uh it's nice to have somebody that understands them in the context of something like the draft so stoney is the man appreciate him and his time for stoney keely i'm your host easton freeze this has been the hot read podcast we'll be back with you stoney and i tomorrow talking tackles cannot wait Until then, Stoney, have a great day. Listeners, have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow.